Okay, as in go. Sorry, one second. Fork Tales, a podcast that feeds the food and beverage world. Oh, awesome. Fork Tales is brought to you by Vigor, a branding and marketing agency for passion-driven, innovative restaurant, beverage, and hospitality brands. Learn more at vigorbranding.com. If you love what we're serving up, please give Fork Tales a five-star review on your podcast service of choice. Think of it as a tip for good service. Hey everyone, today I am joined by Charles C.J. Moyer. Uh, it was a great story to tell. Um, Charles uh, C.J. has a, uh, a mobile bar. And I'm going to be completely transparent here. We already recorded this episode. It was an absolute technological snafu. We just started recording again, had another snafu. So we're going to do this. This is going to work. And I'm going to put all my faith in the uh, technology gods, as it were. So, CJ, say hello. Give a little bit of backstory. Joseph, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Uh, my name is CJ Charles Moyer. I run a um, kind of multiple different uh, businesses revolving around the food and beverage industry, one being more design company, which I had started about four or five years ago now. Um, and from there, met a great group of guys, Paperboy Media Group, and partnered with them. And since then, had uh, jumped into the restaurant space and, or I guess, bar space and started a mobile cocktail bar called Presley's Mobile Cocktail Bar. And so I guess we're looking here to talk about, you know, kind of all those different assets and, and how they work together. Yeah. Yeah. So you went from a designer and a creative, not that you've hung up those, uh, those coats as it were but um you went from designer to bar owner uh what was that all about why get into the industry yeah so i've always had a love and a passion for the industry and and i think the the industry itself is just uh so family oriented everybody you know really has a great time with each other uh you know really expresses their their love for this style of work and this type of work. And I think I always wanted to stay a part of that, right? You know, going from designer to bar owner was a very comfortable and easy decision for me. Um, it was something that I, you know, always had uh, interest in doing. And I think this was kind of the perfect transition. Nice. Yeah. There's something magical about the bar scene. There's just energy and the, uh, the people. And I mean, who doesn't have fun when they're drinking of course. At least to a certain point, right? Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but so, um, the big question is why, why go mobile bar instead of like the standard brick and mortar? Right. So we actually went mobile because, you know, while running multiple agencies and being a part of different companies and, and working kind of that agency lifestyle 24 um, seven, I wanted to do a mobile cocktail bar because the jumping into a brick and mortar was too heavy right now for us. Um, you know, so I think there's an idea of, you know, going brick and mortar down the line and, and, you know, kind of, playing around with that idea and that concept. But I think this was the best transition to kind of get our feet wet and understand more of how this industry works while owning something within the industry, right? Not just designing for it or branding for it, um, but yeah. actually being a part of the space. So I think it was an easy, um, you know, this was a more comfortable decision for us rather than, uh, you know, 
jumping in on a brick and mortar and not having time for anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's such a big ship to steer when you have that brick and mortar. I mean, you have oh, exactly. the weight of a lease, you know, um, you, mm-hmm. you have full-time staff that you have to find, hire, train, uh, yep. make sure they're not stealing or doing anything wrong. Um, exactly. It's, it's a big yeah. heavy lift. Well, I think, you know, ideally it was kind of, uh, budgets as well right so with this trailer and you know i really don't mind being open about it because i you know i love transparency on podcasts but it costed us twenty five thousand dollars to get this trailer up and running that's from the purchase of the trailer to the paint and the blasting of the trailer to the decals to the interior design and so forth and kind of you know everything in between right the you know you're talking about your um registrations and your licensing and and so forth. So all in, it costed us about $25,000. And so I think that, I mean, if we all understand that from the difference between that and the brick and mortar is drastic. So again, this was that comfortable area for us to play in. And so that's kind of was why we took those steps. Yeah. And so for those that are listening and, and watching, um, let's describe the trailer a little bit. So there, there are like 36 different things in people's minds right now. Yeah. Um, so this is not your ordinary food truck trailer that some people may be imagining. So while, while you give us a little scoop on that. Yeah, so the, the, the trailer is a, a 1980s horse trailer. Uh, we actually purchased it in Ohio and brought it to Pennsylvania. We're located in Philadelphia um, and Lehigh Valley areas. Um so once we purchased the trailer, uh, well, I'll give you a little bit of a backstory. The, the initial concept, the idea was to actually purchase a VW bus and cut the top off of a VW bus and turn that into a really nice kind of wedding activation where, you know, people could take photo ops with it and there'd be a bartender and, you know, really nice setup cocktail bar and so forth. Now, the issues with that were it was about 70 plus thousand dollars. The motor was located on the vehicle. So if we broke down getting to an event or whatever it might be, that's bad news. Not to mention that there was no, there was no overhang. So if it did have, it did happen to rain, nobody would be covered in the bar, right? Because Mm -hmm. this thing would just lift up and it would be open space. Now that's a great concept for somebody in California, but for us in Pennsylvania, you know, we do get some harsh weather at times. And so a little bit of snow. Exactly. A tiny bit. Little bit of snow. So so we had chatted with uh, like-minded people in our in our industry and and we we um talked to some few guys and and they said, Hey, why don't you look at a horse trailer? You could really deck those things out and really make them nice. I mean, it's legitimately a box on wheels, but it has this really fun aesthetic to it, right? So that was our whole idea in going into um, a horse trailer and and really decking that thing out. Yeah, and, it, and it's really cool. And we will have pictures available, and of course awesome. links. Um, but you know, so it's interesting. I think there's a little bit of maybe grappling with ego in this decision. Uh, it looks like you guys found the right path, but there's pluses and minuses from my perspective. You know, the the minuses would be there's a maybe a perception around illegitimacy or legitimacy because it's a mobile trailer. Therefore it's not a quote unquote real bar. Right. But I think what's really great about that, the pluses are, well, like you said, cost of entry is low. You own the bar, you know? So with a brick and mortar, unless you purchase the building, you don't 
own the bar. Right. You just happen to right. occupy it. Exactly. Um, and then you can grow this fleet. If that, if that happens to be your path forward, you end up growing a fleet of owned assets. Um, then there's the addition of you're driving this thing down the road, like you said. So hello advertising. Yep. You know, you're yep. literally quite almost literally waving a flag. Um, if you don't have a flag, you should get one for the truck. <laughs> so you can say you waved. The <laughs> I love flag. that. I love that. Um, but so there's a lot of pluses there. And, and I think that's, what's pretty great. And to me, this is almost, um, an entry into, what's next in the food and beverage industry and now i'm i'm speculating all this from my perspective but were these part of the discussions when you were deciding on this move yeah definitely and you know one of those things were the idea that 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 legitimacy illegitimacy conversation right we wanted to a lot of you know bars that we see or cocktail bars that we see are mobile activations if you will um we don't find to be necessarily legitimate. They're all kind of pieced together, a little tacky, a little, you know, whatever it might be. And, and so we really wanted to take that full on bar experience that you get with high end bartenders, good mixologists, people who know how to craft a cocktail and bring that to our clients and customers. And so what, what our idea is, is that people love these kind of mobile activations, but we wanted to take it the next step further and make it really cocktail bar traditional if that if that makes sense right mm -hmm. we wanted that experience of the bartenders you know really knowing how to shake a really well cocktail or you know um just everything in between we wanted that full-on experience of curating a full menu for our clients and and having them kind of choose from which cocktails they should get using quality ingredients using you know fresh pressed juices and so forth and so we do the whole nine um and and that's where kind of our legitimacy came to play mm -hmm. when we when we opened up this cocktail bar or this mobile bar right yeah, so let's talk about that process a little bit. Um, obviously, it's not like you're rolling up to a, a cross section of a street and starting to sling some drinks. Right. Um, this is event oriented uh, and activated, um, but it's not like you're rolling up with the same menu, right? So you're working with clients. Can you explain exactly. a little bit of that interaction? Yeah, of course. So, you know, we have multiple packages. One's just beer and wine, which is fine. The other is going to be uh, beer, wine, and a, what we what I usually call a his and hers. So something that, you know, tends more to men, something that tends more to, uh, to women. And then we have an open bar package where it's kind of up to seven different liqueurs. And we'll essentially bring all mixers, garnishes that you could possibly think of to actually have a full open bar um, at these uh, weddings, events, private parties, corporate events, whatever it might be. So, and usually what we do is, is we'll take those. So right now seasonal, we have a couple events coming up. Um, we have two happy hours, which are, are going to be really fun. And then we also have a Halloween party and a wedding coming up in November. So what we're doing is we're tailoring all of our cocktails and all of our ingredients to the season, right? So a lot of cider, uh, a lot of stuff with cider in it, a lot of stuff garnished with apples, um, you know, and kind of working around uh, those those types of ingredients and making them really fall friendly. Yeah. So so you're doing a candy corn martini. 
<laughs> we are doing a s'mores old fashioned, which should be interesting. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, for, for the listeners, please don't ever make a candy corn martini. Please. <laughs> Do not. We're, we're pushing the limits with the s'mores old fashioned, but I think it'll turn out really nice. Um, you know, we're going light on it. It'll essentially be a, a strict old fashioned. And then what we're doing from there is uh, we're just going to garnish the rim with uh, chocolate and crumbled graham crackers and then do some roasted marshmallows on top as a garnish so straight old-fashioned you just get a little bit of chocolate and graham cracker in between i love that and you don't have to roast it over an open fire exactly in fact it's frowned upon right (laughs) exactly Um, please don't roast this over the fire um so let's talk about some of the challenges um how do you deal with the space constraints of the trailer so um you know the only constraints we've really had uh, was the idea that people want to have a 300 to five person event. And so two, two people ideally in one small bar um, is going to be difficult to turn drinks, right? So what we'll do from there is we'll actually pull out a bar to the outside of the trailer and, and it'll act as a kind of a second activation or a rather larger bar for people to come up and grab drinks and so forth. Um, as far as constraints with inside the trailer and two bartenders working at a time, it's been fairly easy. You know, we've had a lot of great feedback from our bartenders. Um, I've bartended back there a couple times and it's quite simple. It's, you know, each server ha- or each bartender has their station. Uh, you know, we have a big, um, big bucket of ice in between us. And then from there you have all your cups and garnishes right there. So it's really, it's really actually a nice, um, easy, smooth process. Yeah, and I guess, you know, since you, you, it's not like you're dealing with, um, you know, the, the back wall of a hundred different types of spirits. I mean, it is a very tailored right. down um, system. So that, that, that probably helps a lot. Right. Uh, what, what about some of the challenges facing the industry right now? I mean, we, we have labor shortages that I, I think still hasn't really um, been remedied. And then we also have uh, challenges with supply chain. Have you guys been hit with that at all? Yeah, so we, um, as far as labor goes, we haven't experienced any issues, you know, with Pennsylvania bartenders, um, all you really need is a ramp certification. So we could really have any friend who's interested in bartending, coach them up on the drinks they're making for the night, or if they're just cracking beers or pouring wine, everybody knows how to do that, right? So all they need to do is go online, pay for ramp certification, and then they can bartend with us. So that's a very easy process. Uh, We always have people in our in our friend group um, or people around us who want to come and join us for the night and actually bartend. We actually get more people inquiring about that than not. Um, And then from there, as far as supply goes, you know, we do have a shortage in Pennsylvania. Um, It is slightly a pain in the ass. Um, Luckily for us, we cannot provide the alcohol to our customers because we are in the state of Pennsylvania and because we are mobile, we cannot obtain a liquor license. Now, there's talks down the road um, of us partnering with, you know, a distillery or so forth and shaking hands with them and saying, hey, we'd love to, you know, tie ourselves to your liquor license. We'd love to tie ourselves um, to your 80 off-premise events that you get a year with your PA liquor license. That's a different conversation down the road. Um, from there, 
we will be probably more stocked. But as of right now, what we do is we actually send a small menu or recommended or suggested list to our clients of the types of alcohol and how many bottles they need to to provide their party to get through the night. If not, maybe have a little extra, uh, you know, a little extra. And from there, we usually recommend just popping over the border to Jersey and going to Total Wines and buying as much booze as they can possibly think of. Because right now in the, in the city of Philadelphia, um, I believe if, if it hasn't gotten lifted, it's still two. It's a two bottle, uh, two bottle minimum per person, leaving the liquor store. Oh, you mean two bottle maximum? Maximum. Sorry, maximum. Yes, maximum. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say two, two bottle minimum. <laughs> minimum. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, for, for those that don't know, could you just explain the, the ramp certification quickly? Yeah, so so ramp certification is essentially, uh, you know, what servers, bartenders, and people within the food and beverage industry need to obtain to serve food. Uh, a lot of, actually, you know what? I'm not sure how many restaurants actually need to use this or need to provide it, but as far as insurances go, it definitely helps out. Um, so it's essentially a test online. When you become ramp certified, the understanding is that you know you have taken tests to, uh, you know safely serve food in the industry safely serve beverages in the industry and yeah you know what you're doing so um you're not yep. over serving you're not yeah you're not, you're not taking a sip of the drink before handing it over exactly exactly yeah <laughs> yeah exactly rookie move um so let's talk about <laughs> building this brand i mean so you guys decide that you're going to do this mobile bar um as as a designer and working with a, a design company obviously the excitement starts to get charged around what are we calling this thing how is it going to look why is it going to look that way could you take us a little bit through that journey because i imagine it was a little bit difficult because uh when you have to design for yourself you become instantly your worst client yeah it's always difficult um my idea there was keep it simple, stupid, you know, maybe make it a word mark, add some small fun brand elements, and then really let the trailer speak for itself, right? Uh, our, our brand is really revolved around uh, a lot of it, the color of our trailer. People absolutely love this really dark green color to our trailer. We use really deep, dark woods, um, and we use copper and kind of this brass uh, throughout. So it was more so keeping the logo and the brand identity very simple, but implementing, you know, some color and some other pieces of interior design that really make the brand full and, and that, that kind of just brand feel that you get. So it was difficult at first, but, you know, my idea was just to kind of keep it simple and let it ride and kind of, you know, let it take ownership of itself and, and see what people make of it and see how, you know, how it lives with these things. So. Yeah. Yeah. It is a really beautiful color. And I think the way the copper interacts with green is definitely hot right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, how about the name? Where'd the name come from? Are you allowed to say? Yeah, of course. So, uh, Presley's is my goddaughter. Um, it is the daughter of one of our partners, Ryan Moran. Uh, and you know, he named her after Elvis Presley. Both his kids have, you know, kind of old school rock star names. And, and, um, you know, we thought the name, you know, the name was obviously chosen because of her, but we thought the name was perfect because it was very boutique, but it was also edgy. Um, you know, you could see something like Presley's cocktail bar at a nice wedding, but you could also mm -hmm. see Presley's cocktail bar at a nice, you know, blues show or blues fest. Right. So we kind of thought it had that you know, duality to it and, and that kind of comfort zone of it. Yeah. And so as you guys grow, ha have there been discussions around owning the IP? I imagine, um, 
you know, especially when you get into possessive names, uh, trademarking them does become a little bit difficult. So have you embarked down that road? Not so much. No. Um, you know, I think that's further down the line because I think that's in the conversation when we start to talk about adding additional trailers to our fleet. Um, right now there hasn't been talks about that. We're, we're trying to get through this first year. We launched a little late. We launched in September. We have a decent amount of bookings already. And now summer and spring 2022, we are close to being booked every weekend, which is absolutely incredible. That's um, amazing. So we're taking it day by day. I think next summer and spring are, you know, really going to be a kick in the ass for us. Um, and so I think at that time, probably towards the end of summer, we'll start having conversations of, Hey, should we add another trailer to our fleet for 23? You know? Yeah. And I think one of the brilliant things about your, your geographic location is, yeah, you're just outside of Philly, in Philly, but you know you, you have all of New Jersey there. You yep. have the rest of Pennsylvania, or at least into Central PA, um, and then you get into Maryland and even Virginia. So like DC, Baltimore, um, and if you really want to go north, you have this little tiny town uh, known as New York City um, <laughs> and surrounding areas too. So it, it's a really great spot to be located for a mobile experience like this. Definitely. Um, you know, as you grow, would you consider larger trailers? Are you looking for the same style of trailer so you have that brand consistency? Are, are yeah. you allowed to divulge any of this, or am I digging too deep? No, you're good. You're good. I'm, I, you know, we can kind of say whatever we want. I think it's it's such a fun little side hustle and business that you know we're really comfortable to talk openly about it. And I think that's the fun part about it, right? Is it's not something so structurally and you know fundamentally based. It's this really just kind of fun concept that we're playing with and see and figuring out and seeing what goes. So there, uh, you know, one of our partners, uh, Zach, um, had talks about his, his in-laws, uh, they actually own a cattle trailer that they're getting rid of. Now this cattle trailer is like 17 feet. So it's, it's, it's now you're a, talking. yeah, it's a very large trailer. And you know, the, it, right now I can't commit. In the future, I think, you know, once we start doing more of these weddings uh, and more of these private events and private parties, that Presley's is the perfect size for those types of um, venues, right? Now, if we got this cattle trailer, I would deck it out very much the same, um, but I think we'd probably line the back wall with keg taps. Um, and we would probably do the whole front of the bar as, you know, your cocktail service back of the bar, maybe 10 to 12 keg taps along that, uh, 17 line wall. Um, but I think we need to, we need to understand that space a bit more. I think, you know, with the P Pennsylvania restrictions, the thing that makes me nervous is that, um, you know, who would be able to rent this out? We would need to rent this out to large events, music festivals, you know, uh, big, big, big parties that it would make sense at, right? You're not going to do a 150 person wedding with 10 keg taps and it just would never make sense. Right? Like, <laughs> so it'd be the ultimate flex. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. We would definitely have to figure out where that, where it would fit and how that would, you know, play in the space. And if it's something that people are demanding right now, or do people just prefer, you know, the, um, you know, the tents with the, uh, pulled up trucks or whatever it might be for their, for their kegerators. I mean, I'm not sure. It's definitely something we need to check out more, but it's, it's definitely in the talks. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to get excited about yeah, uh, the potential, is. right? <laughs> it is. It is definitely. Um, definitely. so you've been on the road, uh, not just proverbial speaking for a, a, a what, a little over a month, two months now. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So, um, what have you learned 
you know, what, what were some things that you thought were going to be a win that were maybe a loss? Um, yeah. Pluses and minuses. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I think the first thing and foremost is that, you know, within this industry, a lot of people shop and a lot of people, a lot of people don't commit right away. So, uh, in that sense, you know, we, we use an online platform for all of our booking and scheduling and so forth. And so what we're, what we're finding right now is that we're getting tons and tons and tons of inquiries and we're setting out brochures and our pricing and services guide and so forth. And, um, people are, you know, kind of just opening and not really responding. Then I'll go to following up, but you know, I think I think that's one thing I'm learning right now is that a lot of people shop for their weddings. A lot of people want to know price ranges. A lot of people want to understand, you know, their kind of their different, um, you know, pivots and and choices that they have to to use an activation of bar. I also understand that not a lot of people want a horse trailer at their um, private party or event or whatever it might be, um, but a lot of people are loving it too. And other than that, I mean, everything's fairly simple you know it's a very very simple concept it's a bar on wheels you just got to tow it there drop it off and then people bartend it and everybody enjoys their time uh, we have not run out of liquor yet which is great <laughs> we have not uh, we had one issue at our launch party where our uh, our psi on our kegs um were really low and we actually drained the whole tank uh, unfortunately so we kicked one whole keg of sam adams Oktoberfest, but the keg of michelob uh just kind of went to shit so other than that i mean it's you know it's been fairly simple and and a great experience in general yeah, I mean to be honest, if if you had to choose which beer, <laughs> exactly, exactly, it was the right choice. Yeah, yeah, we have the option for two sixtals, so two smaller, skinnier kegs. Um, yeah, and so it was like, you know, we were talking to the guys, and we said, "Do you have any Oktoberfest on draft, or like just a really good, you know, kind of deep, darker lager?" And um, they had Oktoberfest, which was perfect. So our launch party was September 25th. And then, you know, we asked them for just like a Bud Light or a Miller Light. And all they had was Michelob. So we went with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's tough, especially when you get into light beers. Yeah. Um, but here's the funny thing, and, and we'll, we'll just take this sidestep for a minute. A lot of these craft breweries try have tried to launch a light beer or a lager. And they're, I don't think they're good. You know, like, I mean, there, I mean, Bud Light, like, so what I can't have Coors Light for some reason, it's like instant headache, but Bud Light, it's just a good light beer. Yeah. I, I very much agree with you. Um, I'm on the Bud Light trade over the Miller Light train. Um, you know, I will say, I think, you know, and just the way I've been seeing the industry or the beer industry move a little bit is a lot of these IPAs are getting a little drawn out, a little too hoppy. Let's keep it blue collar. Golden cold, you know, what's wrong mm-hmm. with a good gold crisp lager? Um, and so I think, I think we're now starting to see a lot of breweries pivot into starting to do some lagers, some pills, um, some pale ales and so forth. So I'm not seeing too many. I mean, I, you still see a lot of IPAs on the market and whatnot, but I, I really can't, I can't get interested in them, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I, I love I love a good IPA, especially um, one that's been intelligently fruited. So here in Atlanta, we have a, a brand called Scofflaw. Okay, and they've gotten um, 
they've been pretty polarizing and divisive in, in at least in their early years, which plays up to their name anyway. I, I love the brand truly because they they haven't pulled any punches. Um, they got a big mouth. They're not afraid to use it. And uh, they quite simply have said, if you don't like it, then don't drink it. <laughs> I mean, like, and they you literally said it on brands. the beer reddits. Yeah, I mean, they're I like... You know, because they had issues with consistency early on. You know, they, okay. they started a little bit, um, I think, a little bootstrapped. And so they had consistency issues. And some people on the beer reddits were calling them out for it. And they're like, good news. Just don't drink it. The end. Right. Like, right. Right. Fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they've created this passion fruit, orange, grapefruit IPA. And it's called POG, P-O-G for passion fruit, orange, grapefruit. Okay. It is just stellar. It is good. just so good. Good yeah. Nice. And I think that's what we're really coming down to. I mean, I think everybody at this point knows and realizes that the beer, the craft beer movement is way into bubble face at this point. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see who, who lasts Yeah, because, um, yeah, sure. It's going to be a little bit of money. Um, the people who are financially backed, but I think also hopefully it's, it's quality too. Cause we have some players here that are well-funded that I just don't think their beer really stands up, um, yeah. comparatively. I, I completely agree. I also, you know, a lot of what I see, um, especially where we're from, um, you know, Philadelphia and, and the surrounding areas is make an experience with your brewery. You know, don't don't just throw a bunch of taps, a bar in this kind of cement blocked room with a bunch of picnic tables. It's not interesting and it's not fun. I mean, you got to you know, it's, it's this idea of creating a restaurant experience, this idea of creating a comfortable place that everybody wants to go and have a drink at on Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon, whatever it might be. You know, I see too many people, you know, like I just said, doing the whole picnic table, cement floor, we're a brewery type shtick. And I think it's, you know, some places have good beer, but if you don't have good beer to back to back your experience, I, you know, I think that's how you're going to get washed out, unfortunately. Yeah, you're I mean, everybody has that, like you said. And right. I think what I'm yearning to find is a brewery who really starts to take the brand seriously. Um, everybody's mm-hmm. doing these hop puns. They're still trying. It, it's it's still like a good old bro network, and it and it looks like yeah. it. Now you have some ones that are kind of stepping aside and, and maybe trying to make a claim, but I would say the majority of them they're really boring at this point. It's mm-hmm. like yeah yeah I get it. You, you use the word hop and now it's called hop opportunity. That's really funny, um, <laughs> you know. But like where's the story? Where's the play? And right. I think what we're gonna see is this next maybe we'll call it a second wave what i'd like to see and what i hope we see is you're going to see some people that just go so basic where it's like it's beer mm-hmm. drink it yeah we no, made it. i it's agree good. i you agree know? and yeah. then hopefully we'll see some story behind we didn't just make an ipa because the brewer woke up and said oh i should make an ipa we made one because x y and z here's the story behind it here's how it connects to our brand a little bit better to really start to create those um brand affinities that I think is lacking in the industry. Yeah. I mean, agreed. Agreed. And you know, I always, I always think about this too, is, you know, the idea that so many chefs, right. When when you're, when you're good executive chef and you've been trained and you've uh, been taught and you've went to other countries to learn their craft and how they do their style of, um, you know, cooking or whatever it might be. Um, what, why don't we ever see too many, you know, at least I don't hear the stories of brewers traveling to Ireland to figure out how, what, the, what kind of methods they're using in Ireland to brew their beer. How do they get that kind of, you know, 
how does somebody brew a Guinness and make it absolutely perfect, right? And maybe mm-hmm. it's not Guinness, but this is just, you know, food for thought and an example. But, you know, I think too many people are just buying a homebrew kit, creating a lager and be like, okay, let's get some investors and let's do this thing, right? right. You know, and, and so I'd love to kind of see more of a story and, and somebody, you know, kind of put some more, I'm not saying people don't put dedication and heart into it, but, you know, just some, some bigger, broader stories, something that people can really stand behind, um, I think would be really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Here in Atlanta, we, we've, there's a couple that come to mind with the whole, we journeyed and tasted thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but when you do that, what you come back with is old world, old world beer and, right. um, people, you know, the palate kind of steered away from that. Cause that's essentially what you had back before the uh, craft brew explosion. You know, you had your, your loggers, lights and regulars, mm-hmm. and then you had your brands that were selling old world, you know, like your Duvall's yeah. and, uh, you know, uh, delirium tremens and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I'm hoping that we just find a stride where people realize it's not just the beer. It, it is the brand and people need yeah. to start buying into a brand. Yeah. Now brands like Scofflaw, I think have a great leg up cause they've made it very clear who they are. They're for the rebels. They're for the people that don't give a shit. Right. Um, but everyone else is pretty much like, no, we're really craft and brewery. You yeah, know? yeah. 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 It's our picnic table. <laughs> it's all about the beer. And it's like, yeah, when you do that, it really does come down strictly to just taste. And right. You know, if if your beer is um, inconsistent or if it quite honestly just isn't that great, then you will fall away. But a brand can make up, I think, that 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 difference. Um, Agreed. Well, let's go back to spirits. So um, in closing, you know, really pumped about Presley's. I I can't wait to see where this goes. Um, So far, what has been your favorite cocktail made under the Presley's brand? I think our brand, you know, identifies with an old fashioned, um, you know, it's, if you, once the folks, you know, listening in or watching this actually see the trailer, I think they'll really understand it's a, it's a deep green with a lot of deep wood and that copper. And it just has that very kind of rustic, um, traditional feel to it. Uh, we want you to have the experience that you're sitting down in a really comfortable dimmed lit bar. Um, you know, we have greenery everywhere. So I think that old fashioned is kind of our, our drink to go to, um, especially right now with the fall season, uh, we're full. I don't know how it is in Atlanta right now, but we are full 60 degrees with, you know, leaves falling on the ground right now. So it's just a great beverage, especially on our launch was absolutely phenomenal you know we poured all of our bourbon that we had um in stock and so i think the old fashioned is definitely our our go-to and which is why we're slightly experimenting with some some you know different versions of it um mm-hmm. but i think people really do enjoy that especially this time of year yeah i tend to agree i love myself a good old-fashioned or manhattan for that matter yeah um all right so it's your last day on earth cj you're, you're facing the end of the line right in the face what is the last drink cocktail you'd have uh i heard the last cocktail um last cocktail on earth what are you having cool i'm i'm gonna go with just a a glass of rye on the rocks a uh, big rye drinker i absolutely love it um one that i just buy as far as you know a good sip and drink is a uh bullet rye i mean i know it's it's nothing crazy but it's just a good drink to have so i'm gonna go uh bullet rye on the rocks yeah it is a solid 
It is a solid ride. That's how I prefer yeah. my old fashioned bullet ride. It's a drinkable ride. You're not spending 60, 70, 80 dollars on a bottle. It's something you can come home to at the end of the night or you're working late night at 8 p.m., 9 p.m. and you decide you want a little glass on the rocks. It's the perfect pour. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, we're, we're at the end of the road ourselves now. We've made it through. The technical difficulties are not as bad as they were. Um, <laughs> you know, I apologize for folks that heard some ambient noise. Uh, my lawn people decided to do the lawn during this, but uh, <laughs> it's still a great episode. And I thank you so much for your time and your insights. And I'm of really course. pumped about Presley's. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much, Joseph. And congratulations to you. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, I appreciate it. If you love what we served up, please follow us at Vigor Branding on Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Medium. Fork Tales is produced by the team at Vigor. Audio and video post-productions provided by Zencaster. Music performed by Jet Trash and licensed through musicbed.com. Joseph handles his own hair, makeup, and stunts. Copyright 2003 to 2021, Vigor Graphic Design, LLC. All rights reserved.